Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Today, we're excited to have Jackie Schabold, a 2011 graduate of theology with a minor in chemistry. Jackie won the Young Alumni Award in 2019 and is currently a pharmacist in Milwaukee and serves the church in multiple ways. We are excited to hear from Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. We are excited and we have you live in studio today, which is such a treat. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's my first time back in actually two years. I was here in 2019 for Alumni Weekend. Oh, great. Um, So I'm glad to be back on campus and see all the changes in the last few years. I know. It's always exciting for us to bring people into the George and I've never been down here before. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. And I love Bob Rice. Like this is so like this just stuff I'm reading on the walls is like so him. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like his dream to have a room where he could just put whatever he wanted on the walls. And it's it's pretty awesome. My so, um I don't think you know this about me. My claim to fame in Steubenville is Bob Rice and I went to the same high school. Oh, no. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Okay, give it, times, shout out, give it a shout out. Give it a shout out. Yeah. What high school did you go to? <laughs> oh, we went to Nazareth Academy in LaGrange Park, Illinois. Yeah. So whenever I see Bob, I tell him it's a great day to be a roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty sure we're the only two uh, alumni of Nazareth Academy and Franciscan University. So if that? anybody else is out there, please email us. Let yeah. us know. That's amazing. <laughs> you have a very elite right. club that you can start. Yeah, it's just the two of us. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, give us the backstory. You're from LaGrange. Well, uh, I'm, I'm from the south side of Chicago. Okay. Um, I, I grew up there. And um, moved to the suburbs when I was in high school, actually. So I uh, went to Nazareth Academy in LaGrange Park, Illinois. Um, I had a lot of friends in youth group at the time, and some uh, had moved to Wisconsin. So uh, during, it's kind of a long story, but during high school, um, I started driving up to Wisconsin to see friends and I actually got involved in a life teen program up there, um, which is how I got connected with um, a number of Franciscan alumni hmm. who are the ones who encouraged me to go to Franciscan University. And that's the very abridged version of how I got here to Franciscan. <laughs> wow. And then, and did you know what you wanted to study when you got here or how did you decide where to go and what to yes. do? Yes. So I did not want to go to Franciscan <laughs> because I'm a big nerd. I, w- I wanted to be a pharmacist since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an independent pharmacy on the corner uh, of my block when I was growing up in Chicago. Like one of the old time ones where like there's like an 18 inch step and the pharmacist is standing over you. Oh, like wow. just like a, and like yes. with like the five cent candy, like just like a yes. really like cute little old time pharmacy. Um, and it was my mom actually who was like, you know, you could do this. Like you, this might be something you'd be interested in. Like our our moms, our parents all know us best, right? No matter what. And I was kind of like, yeah, I 
I, I do kind of, I always liked science and biology and chemistry and stuff like that. So um, ever since I was 12 years old, I was like, I'm going to be a pharmacist. And I never, yeah, yeah right? Like, wow. I'm, I'm just weird. Really stubborn, too. Didn't change my mind. I think you need that to be, I have a couple relatives that are pharmacists. And I think you need that um, <laughs> stubbornness. <qualities>. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I, when I started looking at colleges and people were recommending Franciscan, I was just like, no, like, I'm from a big city. They don't have a program there like no I'm not I'm not going to this little town in Ohio like for a degree <laughs> that I can't even use like um so I, I kept looking into it more and um I've told this story a number of times but I I didn't want to go I wasn't going to go and I looked at the website one more time and on the right hand of the website there was an application for a scholarship to the university and I was going to use that as like the reason I couldn't go by applying for the scholarship and not getting it and being like, see, I'm not supposed to go right. there, like didn't get the scholarship, like I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, and I got it. So, <laughs> and so I just like looked up at the sky and was like, really, God, like, th really, this is what you want? Because um, it was just too specific um, for for me to not come here. So um yeah, I, I called the admissions office and I said, I think I want to go to your school. And they were like, well, that's great to hear from you. Have you applied? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, so um, just kind of went through the motions, applied, um, got the acceptance letter in the mail. I didn't apply anywhere else after that was like October of my senior year of high wow. school. Um, so got the acceptance letter and was pretty much set for the rest of my senior year um, and came out here and um, I wouldn't change a thing. So when I came out here, I mean, like, like I said, there was no program or anything. Um, I, I started talking to the professors in Cosmos and Damien, but like, I, so I, 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 I ended up here, but I want to be a pharmacist. What do I do? <laughs> and, um, got a, a little bit of direction from them, but there really was, there was no Dr. Haney at the time. Like there was no pre-professional program. Uh, there was not a lot, um, to work with. So, um, I just, some on the fly advice from professors was just like, yeah, you know, start looking at the school, the graduate schools that you're interested in. So I did. And I made an Excel spreadsheet, a uh, very type A personality <laughs> of the pharmacist in me, made an Excel spreadsheet um, of seven pharmacy schools that I was remotely interested in going to four years later. <laughs> um, you had just and, gotten into Franciscan, yeah, stepped foot on campus, right. and they were like, we'll oh, figure out where you want to go in four years, exactly. and then we'll talk. Yeah, so I started looking um, at these programs, and uh, most of them have, have certain things in common. Like, every program requires intro to chemistry and organic chemistry. Every program requires you know, eight credits of biology. So those were easy to sign up for. Um, but then as you start getting down the line, every pharmacy school is different. So uh, some of them require theology, which was easy to get here. Some of them, if they're like a, a Catholic university, some of them require English. Some of them require physics. That was actually the most difficult one because some required three credits of physics, some required four credits of physics, and some required eight credits mm -hmm. with labs. And it was like, well, wow. I don't know what to do. Um, so... I made this Excel spreadsheet and by the time you got to like the lower rows of it, it was like I could fill an entire semester with one class each for each school that I wanted to possibly go to. So I just had like all of these random electives. 
Um, so in order to accomplish this, I uh, ended up declaring a theology major. <laughs> <laughs> like Why? everyone else. And um, it was funny because when, when actually when I declared it, I actually, I don't know if they still do this, but I had to sign a piece of paper saying that like, I understand that jobs in theology are few and far between and do it because you want to and you're called to it, um, but have kind of another plan if you want to pay your bills. And so, <laughs> um, and so I told them, I was like, oh, I definitely have another plan that like, this is just how I'm, how I'm trying to get all my classes done and obviously I, you know of course I have an interest in it too um, and just love learning about it and love reading more about it um I tell people all the time nothing else matters like when I when I read more uh, read more about theology and re go different places go on pilgrimages and stuff like that mm -hmm. um I always come home with the same um the same idea in my mind nothing else matters not nothing else I studied matters this is this is what's going to matter at the end of my life um so um Enjoyed that, obviously, and filled all of my electives with uh, credits for pharmacy school. So with all of that biology <laughs> wow. and chemistry, um, all that stuff. And so ended up with a minor in chemistry um, and uh, applied to, um, I think, at least six of those seven schools that I had on that Excel wow. spreadsheet. Um, and my first choice was Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I wanted to continue going to a Catholic college, um, be supported in my own beliefs. And I did find that there. So, um, obviously nowhere is as special as Franciscan. Um, but uh, I did meet a lot of good people there and, and received a good, uh, post graduate education at Creighton. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Some, <I laughs> very hope, unique path. Very <laughs> unique path. I feel like uh, the theology majors that are listening to this are like, wait a minute. I could graduate and go to pharmacy school. <laughs> <with this degree." laughs> you know? Yeah, pharmacy, uh, mid-level providers, PAs, NPs. Like, yeah, there's a lot you can do with that. And it's a really good foundation. Um, yeah. And I, and I tell people to just learning how to think, which is on the decline in our current culture, um, in my opinion, just learning how to how to problem solve and think through things and use logic and reasons and, and ask why and yeah, it, it was. I highly recommend it. It was a good way to go about it. So yeah. if you want to study theology, but you want to do you want to work as something else, be so, something else. It definitely, there's opportunities for that. Wow. So while you're on campus doing all the things academically <laughs> and filling in your Excel spreadsheet as you go, yes, I've made all these requirements. Yeah. What else were you up to? What else were you involved in as a student? Yeah, so I was in Daughters of Zion household um, that um, was a medium-sized household when I was on campus. And from what I hear, um, it, I think they actually close in tents now. Is that right? Do you guys know? I don't know. I, I don't. haven't heard. Yeah. They, uh, at least when I was here last time, um, they were a huge household, which was funny because yeah. um, I, um, I was not a founding member, but the founding members were still on campus mm. when I was here. They were seniors when I was a freshman. Um, so I intended two daughters of Zion. Um, one of the charisms was healing. So mm. obviously with an interest in healthcare. Um, that drew me to that household. And also, I just love the girls. Uh, most of them were actually nursing majors, not surprising. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so we had a lot in common um, just with those interests. Um, so uh, I was in Daughters of Zion, and uh, we actually folded under me as coordinator. So that was my contribution. <laughs> my junior year, we folded. Um, we just didn't have a lot of interest at the time. 
Um, but what was really neat is actually when I was in graduate school, I got a phone call um, from girls who were interested in restarting us. Wow. So um, just out of the blue, got a, a call to my cell phone that was like, hey, like, do you happen to have the Lord's Day cup? And I was like, I do. It's on my shelf. Like, so I, like, wow. Yeah. So I just uh, sent a box out with all, all the stuff that I had taken from our common room. Um, and these girls, I think it must have been, oh, gosh, probably in 2013 or so. Um, some girls restarted us and we've just been booming ever since from what I hear. That's that's great. Yeah, that's really cool. What a cool story. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Students for Life, I was involved in um, just going, praying outside the clinic on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. and, and different things on campus. But other than that, um, I was pretty busy filling out my Excel sheet. Yeah. Getting all those classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you were. Gosh. And it, from the, the very little that I know, your life right now is kind of similar of your very structured, organized, but do a lot. And I do a lot. Yeah. So can you tell us what does your life look like now? Yeah. So I work now um, as an inpatient clinical pharmacist for uh, Freighter Health in Milwaukee. Um, I, uh, work 770, which is a really, I, some people think I'm crazy, which might be true. Um, but I work every other week. So I work Monday through Sunday, 10 hour days. Um, and then I'm off the other week. So, um, even though it sounds like I do a lot of extras and I do, um, I mean, I only work every other week. So to be <laughs> fair, there's a lot of extra time. Ah! For <laughs> so can you tell our um, listeners what they might not know what type of pharmacist you are by saying what you just said? Can yeah, you flesh that out yeah. a little bit? So um, I work at a 700 bed academic medical center. So a big hospital in Milwaukee. Um, and we uh, see, I mean, we see patients. So we do transplants, uh, People have babies, people go to the ICU, um, anything you can think of, we do pretty much all of it. Um, So when people come to the hospital, they, uh, number one, are on medications at home. Um, So we need to make sure that we're providing the same medications that they're on when they're at home. Um, And then they're in the hospital for a reason. So they probably need medications while they're there, whether that's antibiotics or anticoagulation or for whatever reason they came to the hospital. Um, So we provide that to them as well. So everything comes from I work in the central pharmacy. Everything comes from us. And so we are responsible for um, operations and distribution and making sure that everybody has what they need, that it gets upstairs to the patients in a timely manner, Um, managing our inventory. So things go on shortage all the time, making sure that we um, can substitute things. That's a question that we get all the time, too, of, you know, if something's unavailable or on shortage or hasn't come in. Um, what can what can we get to replace it or where can we get that item until we can get it from our supplier? Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of questions from doctors who will call us and say um, that they, you know, they know how they want to treat their patient, um, but they're not sure what we have available um, or if we're a- if they're able to do it the way that they want to. Um, or there might be a reason that they can't treat them how they want to. So like allergies are a really common example of that. So they might like know what's wrong and want to treat them with a certain antibiotic, um, but that patient happens to be allergic to that antibiotic. And so then they'll call us in the pharmacy and say like, hey, this is what's wrong. Um, Do you have any recommendations? What can we do instead? Um, 
And then um, compounding medications is another thing that we do. So not everything comes in a nice <laughs> bottle labeled ready for everybody. This isn't Walgreens um, no, like right. on the shelf. <laughs> so um, we'll compound different medications. Um, we have sterile and non-sterile compounding. Um, so anything that needs to be weight-based, um, so a certain amount of drug based on how much the patient weighs um, or their kidney function. And I was talking to Christy about uh, your dad just had a kidney transplant, so that definitely affects how your body gets rid of medication too. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, all of those different doses, um, we can make patient specific. So we do that. Um, I've got um, at least 20 to 30 technicians on any given day who are running around me, right? I, it's a big, wow. big hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds like you might never be bored at uh, your job. No, I, I, I feel like I'm getting that. I hit the ground running when I come in <laughs> and I am very tired when I go home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really awesome to see, um, how how far we've come in medicine and just what God can do with that, mm -hmm. right? Like um, that, I mean, this isn't, we didn't make all this stuff up, like he did this. And so just learning about our bodies and how we can heal them and what, that was one thing that actually drew me to pharmacy too, was like, look at all these different medicines and like they all act differently and they do different things to your body and they do not only different things to your body, but different things to different people. Mm -hmm. um, like you might take a certain medication and get a side effect that I don't get. Um, so it's just, it's all really interesting, like how uniquely we've all been made and how um, we can do research and we can find these different therapies that actually help heal different people in different ways. So um, yeah, they're really busy days, but when you kind of step back and look at the big picture, it's really, it's really awesome to just see like how it all works together and you're getting these, these medications up to patients that are helping them. That's incredible. That's incredible. Thank <laughs> you for, really, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool because I feel like a lot of people, when they think pharmacist, they think of, oh, the person behind CVS who's checking me out. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. And it's like, whoa, these people are brilliant and <laughs> are able to piece so many things together. It's more than just checking me out. It's a teamwork. Out. It's teamwork <laughs> right. for sure. And uh, constantly talking to each other and other people. Um, and like, not, not, none of us knows everything, right? Not one of us. So um, I really love that about my team where I work too is just being able to go and talk to my colleagues and being like, I, you know, I got this question. I, I really don't know the answer. Like, and just being able to kind of mm. uh, work together and figure things out and, and solve those problems. Um, a lot of what I do is problem solving in, in any capacity. So whether it's, I don't have this medication, it hasn't come in, or I need to get this medication, or this doctor's asking me what to do in this very particular circumstance, everything I do all day long is problem solving. So that's, that is definitely a skill set that if you wanted to do what I do, you have, you have to be good at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're asking about, um, the other things. So I, um, feel really strongly about taking what you do um, and bringing it out of the workplace and bringing it out into the world. So, um, a couple of things that I do on this side, um, I teach natural family planning. So uh, one question that I actually get a lot from other people, um, from Franciscan or other Catholics, um, even even priests I've had actually ask me this question is, how do you do your job um, and stay faithful? Like, I mean, there's so many ethical and moral issues in healthcare. Um, 
between abortion and the transgender movement um, and all all sorts of different things. Um, how do you how do you stay faithful? Um, and I have always answered that question with like, you know, a lot of people think that the church just says no, no, no. Um, whereas the church is actually saying yes. Um, so you have to look and see, you know, what is the church saying yes to? So it's really easy for people to say like, oh yeah, the Catholic church says no contraception. Um, and so what I say is like, but the Catholic church is saying you were made a certain way. Um, and your fertility is beautiful and your body is beautiful. And let me show you how to apply that to your life. So one of the things that um, I kind of started doing while I was at Creighton, so Creighton University uh, is where the Creighton method of natural family planning began. Um, and so when I was at Creighton University, I uh, worked at the St. Paul VI Institute for Human Reproduction in Omaha uh, under Dr. Tom Hilders, who developed the Creighton method. And um, I learned there how to, first of all, about the Creighton method um, and everything that that can be applied to. So it's not just a method of family planning, but also um, helps women who might be struggling with um, infertility or different um, gynecologic dysfunctions that they might be experiencing, pelvic pain, really heavy periods, things like that. Um, so all of the, the the medical side was obviously very interesting to me. Um, but then uh, there's also the uh, typical side, if you will, of just family planning for, for couples who either uh, want to prevent having more children or who would like to have more children. Um, so while I was there, uh, I was I was learned how to uh, teach the Creighton method to other people. And uh, when I moved to Milwaukee, uh, Marquette University, for people people who follow basketball, so Creighton <laughs> is in Omaha, Marquette is in Milwaukee. Um, uh, Marquette is also another method of family planning. So when I moved to Milwaukee, there actually weren't a lot of Creighton instructors, instructors because it was a very Marquette town. Mm. And um, so when I moved there, it almost became like a rumor that I knew how to teach the Creighton method of family planning. And so a lot of people, um, just through my church, um, and uh, honestly through work as well, when I would talk about it, so even people who weren't necessarily um, practicing their faith were just really interested um, for the medical side of it too. Um, and so people just kept kind of asking me like, well, can you, can you teach me more about this? Can you teach me how to do this? And um, so I, it ended up that I started a fertility care center um, in Milwaukee as well. So a, a visitation fertility care is run by myself and two other uh, young women who teach the Creighton method. Um, and so we uh, work together and we uh, host intro sessions and uh, teach women individually how to chart their cycles. Um, like I said, for whatever reason. So we, um, the youngest woman that I'm teaching right now is 14. Um, and the oldest is you know, upper forties, kind of pushing towards menopause. Um, so there's a host of different reasons that women just want to learn more about their bodies and it's not offered to them anywhere else. So, uh, yeah, that's one thing that I do, um, is just being able to say that yes to people like, um, instead of, instead of putting contraceptives into your body, um, which outside of, you know, being against church teaching is also just a, a bad medical and health decision. Those hormones are just terrible for you. <laughs> um, being able to say yes to other women, say yes, there is another way. And yes, this is how you were designed. Um, and let me tell you more about it. Um, so that's one thing that I do. Um, and then also uh, I do a medical mission to 
El Salvador every year um, where we bring uh, medications down to El Salvador. We uh, go on a mission uh, once a year every March and bring a number of providers with us and set up a clinic in El Salvador. And um, people are able to go uh, see a doctor. Uh, It might be the only time that they see a physician that year. Um, There's uh, socialized medicine in El Salvador, um, but even though um, they have they're able to see a provider if they could get to one. Um, it's it's paid for, but they can't access that care. So um, a lot of these individuals are pretty far out from the capital, uh, San Salvador. They can't get to a doctor. They can't get to a hospital. So um, we come in, we set up a traveling clinic and um, we have providers and pharmacists and dentists and eye doctors and you name it. We bring anybody who will come with us and uh, we set up a clinic in El Salvador. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> you couldn't just, you couldn't just stay and keep it here in the United States. You're like, I have so much to give. Um, I gotta, I gotta share it. That's all awesome. All this stuff just happens. I'm telling you, like, I don't plan any of it. People just ask me if, if I'll help. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me know what you need. And it just, it ends up just unraveling. <laughs> and and uh, coming in, together in right? really good ways. Yeah. I would say unraveling yeah. in really good ways. <laughs> yeah. What a gift. That is. Well, you've, you've done so much, Jackie. And so <laughs> it's all connected, but it's, yeah. it is different. So you were telling us a little bit before we pressed record. Um, if you had any advice for students on campus nowadays or recent alums, do you have any advice from your life experience and your time at Franciscan that you would give them? Yeah. So kind of, kind of piggybacking off of what I said before, um, just think about your talents. Um, not only for your career, but for those other things too. So for your, your career is going to be your Monday through Friday. Uh, it's just going to be 80, you know, I was going to say 80 hours a week. That's what I work. Um, <laughs> or Monday through Sunday. <laughs> yeah. be, um, your career is just going to be 40 hours a week, but what are you going to do the rest of the time? Um, so think about your talents and think about how you like to serve when you're choosing that career. Um, and then you're able to take that skill set that you're getting paid for Monday through Friday, and you're able to take it out into the world in those different ways. So think about what your talents are. Think about ways you like to serve um, and then see what career fits that and see what opportunities you have to give back to the world. That's Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Great advice. And, um, Jackie was here last night sharing with our students um, about all of these similar things uh, on a, a panel discussion. And I feel like they really, that was a light bulb moment where I saw a lot of the students when you said that, it's like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. It's- I need to <laughs> think about that more and really consider it. Um, so that it's a, a purposeful decision. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a backwards way of thinking about it, right? Because mm. like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people tell you like, you know, think about what you like to do when you choose your career. Um, but for me, it's more like, think about what you like to do and what you want to do. And then think about ways you can make money doing that too. You know, like, <laughs> like it's the other way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, Jackie, we've got some hot takes from the Hill to take you back to your time as a student so that we can reminisce a little bit and hear about your experience. So do you, who was your favorite professor? 
My favorite professor is no longer on campus, sadly, but uh, Father Dan Petit was my favorite professor and friar while I was here. I just clicked with him. I felt like he got me. <laughs> um, I loved his style of teaching. Um, he only had three exams, which wasn't necessarily the only reason I liked him, <laughs> but um, uh, he every class he taught had three exams and um he just lectured in between those three exams. There was no like no extra stuff. And I, I think that's what I liked about that. No extra quizzes, no extra homework, no extra like, you know, ways to fill your time that you felt like I could be doing something more meaningful than, you know, just, you know, filling out these boxes or whatever. Um, he would lecture and um, you really just had to think about what he was saying. And if you understood the content you did well um, and that's what I really liked about his teaching style um, and he was always available too I mean all of our professors always were but um, I mean you could just go to his office and just talk to him and um, he really he really cared about students again all of our professors do but um, yeah I just really clicked with his teaching style um, and him as a friar he got down to what was essential right, right? yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome okay so did you have a favorite class Yes. By him or another professor? Um, so it happened to be by him, but I don't. I don't think that that necessarily is what made it my favorite. Um, sexual and medical morality was my favorite class, and I think just because it kind of like combined the two things I was here for anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, it was the one class, right? right. <laughs> um, and it was a class that um, I always like think back about. I was like, wow, that's a class that I would love to like teach someday mm -hmm. like if I ever had an opportunity like if like maybe after I'm retired or something and, and looking for more ways to fill my time <laughs> um, like, um yeah it was just like such a, a interesting way to integrate uh those two things like to to think about our lives um as faithful Catholics and think about um the, the direction that medicine is going in the direction that healthcare is going mm -hmm. and uh, what does that mean for us and what are the right answers and in some the the interesting thing and I think what frustrated a lot of other students in that class is sometimes there's not mm. a right answer um, and that that is one thing that I, I really liked thinking about that um, sometimes everything is just going to be on a case-by-case -case basis and you're not going to be able to give a black and white this is what you do in this situation every time. Mm. Um, again, everybody's unique and every situation is unique and how you approach that has to be different. So uh, that was one of the things I really liked was just like kind of getting down to the the individual and looking at the morals and ethics and mm. truth and figuring out, you know, what what decision you would make in one specific situation. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. Um, did you have a favorite place to study on campus or off? <laughs> <laughs> on campus, probably my dorm. Um, I just, where'd I, you live? What dorm were you in? Uh, well, I started in Claire. Um, I was there for one year and then we, there was no space. I like, I forget how it worked, but like we went to go sign up my roommate. And I went to go sign up for dorms and like Claire was full. We didn't get to keep our room. Oh no! <laughs> like, um, yeah. So we ended up in Marion. The low, <laughs> the the next, low women on the totem right, pole. Right. Basically. Yeah. So I was in Marion. So Claire, my first year, Marion for two years after that. And then, um, Assisi Heights, our senior year. 
Oh. Uh, which was yeah, which was really exciting because it was it was new. Assisi Heights was new when I was a senior. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that yeah. was like the the first time that you could actually live in more than like a ten by ten like room with one yeah. other person. You actually had more space to spread out. Um, it's and it's a great spot on campus that you don't have to climb that hill to yeah, go yeah. To class yeah. every and time. I was, yeah, and I was still going at Co- uh, Cosmos and Damien, uh, so like I was literally waking up at seven fifty five for eight o'clock class, yeah. like just rolling down. Yeah, that hill. you were. Yeah, you were. <laughs> like, um, they actually knocked down my height though. Oh, um, I, I already talked to Father Dave Pavanka about that. I was upset that. Were you they, like, listen, <laughs> when I win the Nobel Prize one day, you're gonna wish you had kept that. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he actually came to Milwaukee and he did an alumni event where he announced uh, the construction that they're doing in Assisi Heights and he showed us which ones they were knocking down. And I was like, hey, no. wait, <laughs> that one's mine. My history. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so um, it sounds like you do travel a little bit. Have you ever run into an alumni in an unexpected place? Um, not an unexpected place. Um, but I do incidentally run into alumni a lot, um, just, <laughs> um, like doing a, a lot of alumni actually come on the mission trip that I go on. Um, I, a lot of alumni reach out for, uh, Creighton method instruction. Um, I don't know if I can think of a place where I was just like, I, I can't recall just like sitting in an airport or a restaurant <laughs> or anything like that. Nothing, nothing fun. But, but you've, yeah, you've got yeah. an alumni network and community yes, around it you. Yeah, like I it. do. Sounds yeah. like it's a, mm-hmm. a good spot to live. Yeah. 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 There's quite a few of us in Milwaukee. So I'd encourage anybody, if you want to come, come see what life is like in Milwaukee with all of us alumni um, and reach out too. Cause um, I've, I've said before too, I was like, this wasn't that long ago. Um, I actually went to adoration at my church and, um, as I was walking out, I turned around and there was a girl there in like a Franciscan half zip. And I was just like, who the heck are you? Like, like, how are we not in the circles together? Um, and it just, it reminded me that I'm getting old too, because like she looked young compared to me. Um, she, she looked like maybe she was a, a new graduate or something. And so it kind of, it got me thinking, I was just like, man, I wish there was more, uh, connections around this area. And, and there are, there's the circles, right? Like everybody knows who they know, but kind of trying to integrate them, um, is awesome. So yeah, yeah. If, any, if anybody's moving to Milwaukee, please reach out. Um, I also, um, help, again, with the things that I do, um, I also help out with an organization called Arise Milwaukee, um, which uh, puts on different uh, events throughout the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Um, our mission is to uh, lead people to fall in love with Christ in the Catholic Church. So uh, different things that you can think of. We've done um, novenas together. We do uh, five worship nights a year, so similar to like the FOPs here on campus. Um just different social events and things like that that we do uh, around the archdiocese so um, if you are coming to milwaukee like please get connected with us that'd be awesome yeah that's great oh my gosh well it is it's just been such a pleasure to have you jackie and just to hear about your life and your and your experience at franciscan and what you've done since then i feel it's it's so inspiring to and it it frees people up a little bit to hear like i don't have to reinvent the wheel i can love something and serve in that i don't just have to do soup kitchen because i feel like i have to do soup kitchen you (laughs) know what i mean right i can use my talents 
and my treasure and the things that I love and I can give that part of myself away, you know? Yeah. Look for the needs in your area and look for, ask yourself what talents you've been given and just, just dive in. And like I said, I've, I can take no credit for any of the things that I am involved in. They, they literally just happen. So if you do that, like things will happen for you too. (laughs) I promise. Love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for giving back to the student community uh, while you were here. And we look forward to seeing what you do next. Thanks. I'll be around. Thank you. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.